Good morning, friends. It's so good to have you here this morning, whether you're online or in person. I'm Pastor Jim. Unfortunately, I cannot be here on this Sunday, but I'm glad that you are here. If this is your first or second time, we would really uh, like to show you our appreciation for you uh, checking us out. One of the things we'd like to do is get a little bit of information so we can contact you or send you a thank you note for being our guest. In front of you, you're going to find one of these connection cards, a blue card, and we would love for you to fill that out with our, our pen. And at the end of the service, you're welcome to put it in one of our offering boxes on your way out. And I would personally like to thank you for checking us out, being our guest this morning. Now, if you're kind of shopping for churches, kind of wondering who we are, not sure how we're built and what our focuses are, I want to invite you to our discovery class, five minutes following our service. Once a month, we have kind of like a 15 minute a class on the right side of the sanctuary. Our staff will meet you and uh, just kind of greet you and kind of share a little bit about our history, our values, and kind of our focuses at a church. If you're interested in learning who we are as a church, I want to encourage you to attend that discovery class five minutes after this morning's service. Now you'll discover that uh, Faithbrook is all about loving God, loving people, journeying together. Our mission, our heart is to help lead people into a new and thriving life in Christ Jesus. One of the ways we do that is every September, we host a big kickoff Sunday. This year, it's gonna be September 17th. We're getting really excited about it. We got our food trucks coming in. We got our, our kids bouncers, and we're gonna start a new series. And on your way out, you're gonna receive a little invite card about our series called Game Plan. And we hope that you'd be praying, thinking about, hey, is there someone that I work with or a friend that I would like to invite starting on September 17th? Now, speaking of new series, we're starting one today. I'm not starting it, but Pastor Eric is going to be uh, starting. It's called Stories, because everyone has a story. Hopefully, we have a faith story, and God wants to improve your faith story. So would you welcome with me uh, Pastor Eric as he leads us into this new series? Well, good morning. Yep, as uh, Jim, who finally decided to take a Sunday off for once, um, uh, just introduced my name's Eric. I am the next-gen pastor here at Faithbrook, and whether you've joined us in person or coming to us online, we are so thrilled that you could come and worship with us today. And as I said, we're beginning a new series on stories. Every one of us has a story. A story is all of the things in our life, our past experiences, those moments who make us up and, and bring us to who we are today. And there's some people who will say that they have a faith story that uh, they're kind of exploring and journeying, like, who is this Jesus person? What is that all about? What does that mean? And how can I learn more about that? And for those who do have that faith sturdy, a lot of them can talk about how there was a moment where things have changed, how they were one thing they were before, and then something happened and it brought them and changed them into something new and something better. Their life was going one direction and Jesus moved it into a new one. 
And this series is all about those moments, the story of people's lives and how it can be changed for the better. And we kind of, when we're talking about stories, we kind of mention them almost as a journey or maybe an adventure. And I don't know about you, but I love a good adventure story. And my favorite story, fictional adventure story of all time is this one right here. This is The Hobbit. This by far is my favorite. And when I was in third grade, my dad bought this book for me and every night he would read part of it before we would go to bed. And I was enthralled by this adventure of this pint-sized creature called a hobbit named Bilbo Baggins and how he was living his life one way, right? And he was, he was eating and just being kind of a lazy bum. And then all of a sudden his life changed and he went on this dramatic adventure with a bunch of dwarves and a wizard and they travel to a far off mountain and they fight a fire breathing dragon out there. Um, every night I just couldn't wait to get to reading part of it. And a good adventure story isn't just the destination though, it's the journey along the way. You've got trolls who've captured them. You've got goblins who are chasing after them. You're, they're riding down a river in barrels. And of course, they find that mysterious ring that turns its wearer invisible. It is a story that has captured my imagination and I constantly keep going back to it. So much so that my wife is out there in the, in the audience rolling her eyes at me right now, wishing I would just talk about something else, but I can't help it. It's just, it's my favorite. It's, it made such an impact on my life. And I'm grateful for the time that my dad spent finding this book and reading it to me and so that I can share it with all of you. It's amazing how things get passed down, right? My dad found that story and he passed it down on to me and then I can share it to all of you or anyone else who wants to listen. It's almost like it's this precious family heirloom, this important moment that we gotta pass it along. But has it ever felt like sometimes some things don't get passed along? Like, there was something missing, it gets lost along the way. Like we have a relay race and you know, they got the guy who's running with the baton and he passes off the baton and the next person takes it and they run and they pass it off. But if they try to pass off the baton and the person drops it, they're disqualified, the race is over. And you ever had a moment like that where it just felt like the baton was supposed to be passed off, there was something that was supposed to be given and you just, you just missed it. And whether it's passing it on to a younger generation or maybe you're even older and you can look around and you can see people who have missed things even your own age. Why, why is this going on? What, what are these essential things? Well, in our text today, it demonstrates how this can be avoided, how we can prevent from that baton being missed and make sure that it gets passed along. There's these two women who work incredibly hard to pass along what they saw was important and essential from one generation to the next. And that comes from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. And it reads this, Timothy, I thank God for you. The God that I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. 
Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again, for I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that faith continues strong in you. Let's pray before we continue. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to share your word, Lord. And I pray that as the words I speak uh, come from your spirit, God, and that the hearts here can hear what you have to say. And I thank you uh, for these stories and the stories you've given to us. Let us uh, understand them more now. In your name, amen. Well, 2 Timothy is the second letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. Paul was a missionary. He was a person going around the Roman world in the first century telling people about Jesus. And while he was traveling, there he had a companion, and that person's name was Timothy. Timothy was a young man who was kind of learning and growing kind of with Paul and, and discovering some things with him there. And he spent a great deal of time together. Um, he's mentioned as traveling with Paul uh, constantly throughout the book of Acts. And in fact, six books of the Bible, we usually attribute to all the letters in the Bible as this was written by Paul. But if you actually look at some of the letters, six of them actually list Timothy as a co-author. You could almost say this letter was from Paul and Timothy to whoever. But eventually... Even though they've been traveling together, they eventually get separated. Tim, um, not, not that they had a shipwreck or anything, but Paul says, Timothy, I want you to stay here in Ephesus. I want you to help lead this church. I want you to help train this church. I want you to show them the way to go. But I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to write you some letters. So when you're dealing with problems or you have questions or confusion, I will give you these letters and you can use them and apply them to your situation. And that's what we know as First and Second Timothy. These are the two letters that Paul wrote to Timothy that we have to help him in the situation. And the second letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, Paul is reminding Timothy that he has been praying for him since they had departed. They are both serving God and living out the faith that their ancestors had before him. Paul is continuing to carry that baton that has been passed off to him. And Timothy is carrying on the baton that was passed off to him from his mother, Eunice, and his grandmother, Lois. The faith that had first filled Lois and Eunice and that Paul calls genuine faith is now living out through Timothy. So who are these women, right? Like, when I think Lois and Eunice, I generally think, oh, that's someone like my aunt, my great aunt would be named like after that name. But who, who are these? Like, I don't know, I don't remember too many Bible stories growing up for them. Well, I kind of hate to disappoint, but we don't actually have a whole lot of information on them. The only passage in the Bible that actually mentions these two women by name is this one right here. This is it. 
Uh, There's a passage in Acts that says that Timothy's mother was a Jewish Christian who was married to a Greek man. And there's a passage later on in 2 Timothy that says that Timothy has been instructed since childhood, since his birth, about matters of the faith, kind of implying that Eunice and probably Lois as well had some impact on Timothy's faith or were teaching about him. But we don't have any like books of the Bible that say this is you know, from, you know, written by any of them. We don't have any stories of miracles or uh, them going out and preaching and telling a lot of people. We don't even know what their marriage was like or if they had a job or maybe if they, you know, either of them had other siblings or uh, grandchildren. We just, we don't know a whole lot. We don't know if they had a bunch of people over on their holidays, you know, and come celebrate at Grandma Lois's house. You know, heck, there's barely enough for me even here to work on a sermon. I mean, I'm kind of stretching this one out a little bit this week. But here's what we do know. First, Lois and Eunice had a genuine faith, so much so that it impressed Paul. And second, they taught the importance of this faith to Timothy. And now Timothy is carrying on their legacy and sharing his faith story with others. And that kind of brings us to our main point here. Our main point being is that serving develops stories. Serving develops the stories here. For both of these two, for Lois and for Eunice, they had a huge impact on Timothy's faith. They were giving up part of themselves to spend time with Timothy and to teach him about what it meant to follow after Jesus. And because of that, their faith became generational. Lois's faith was passed on to Eunice, and Eunice's faith was passed on to Timothy. And you know, they're not, as I said, they're not the first people that we think about when we say, hey, name somebody from the Bible. But their impact is very evident. Timothy, as I stated before, is seen throughout scriptures. And their life and his life and his faithfulness only happened because of his connection with his mother and his grandmother. Timothy is later on, said, become a hugely important figure in the life of the early church. And the foundation given to him by his mother and grandmother cannot be understated. So I don't know if we truly understand the impact that our story can have on other people when we share it, when we serve and help other people. You know, I mentioned at the beginning, right, a little bit ago, just reading The Hobbit and how much that meant to me that my dad would spend time to read this for me. And it's one of my cherished memories. This is one of my most treasured possessions that I have is just this book here, which just looked online this week, and you could buy for $2 on Amazon used. I mean, it's, it's not valuable. It's not like a first edition. And if you have one, let me know. I'm interested. But <laughs> it's not even just because I've become such a huge Lord of the Rings nerd. Like, this book's important to me because it's one of my favorite memories with my dad. That he would spend his time finding a book that I would like and would share it with me every night. When he could have played an audiobook, he could have told me to read it himself, but he took it and he 
had fun with it and did voices and, and made it enjoyable for me. And he never would have imagined that it was such a big impact on me. And I know because when I have asked him about reading The Hobbit, he was like, oh yeah, I just you know, found a book I thought you might like. It wasn't that important to him. I don't even think he really likes Lord of the Rings that much. But what meant so little to him mattered so much to me and inspires me as a father today. And when I think about what it means to be a father, I think back to him reading The Hobbit to me. And when I think about how I could be a father to my son, I think back to moments like that. What a little sacrifice of time for him had such a lasting impact on me. So maybe you have a person like that in your life. You know, the person who believed in you when others maybe didn't believe that much, who still inspires you to this day, who shows that they cared about you and would give up their time. They wanted to see you succeed, even if it meant that their story wouldn't be as remembered or maybe would even be forgotten. You know, Lois and Eunice, as I said, they get one sentence, one like verse in the entire Bible because they were willing that sharing their story, serving someone else was far more important to them than what they could have got in return. And we call moments like that unconditional love, a love that has no strings attached. And it's the love that Jesus has given to each and every one of us because he sacrificed himself. He gave up all of himself to us. He could have stayed in heaven. He could have stayed away, but he said, nope, I'm gonna come down. I'm gonna be with all of you. I'm gonna enter into your mess and I'm gonna give up all of myself for each and every one of you. And I'm not looking for anything in return. I just wanna be with you. And if you have that faith story that we mentioned before, if you are a follower of Jesus you can take what Jesus has offered to you. The love, the freedom, the peace, and so much more. And you have the opportunity to pass it on to someone else, to pass that baton on and make sure it's not dropped. And what little sacrifice of your time could have such a lasting impact. But it's not just other people's, is he's serving develops other stories. But it's not just other stories that it develops. Ironically, when you serve and when you try to help other people, serving tends to develop your own story as well. Paul commends Eunice and Lois for their genuine faith because it didn't just stay in one generation, but it moved to the next. And you know that you really understand something when you're able to teach somebody else how to do it, right? There's the saying out there that those who can do and those who can't teach, right? It's the chagrin to every teacher is like, like I was somehow incompetent and that's how I ended up as a teacher, right? No, it takes an understanding, it takes a deeper level to be able to say, hey, I'm gonna take this and I'm going to pass it off to somebody else in this situation. This 
isn't, it isn't easy. You understand it more. And when you, so when you do that, you find yourself starting to grow before. I can tell you how many times that I thought I knew something, that I was teaching students, maybe about the Bible, and I was like, oh yeah, I know this. I got this story in the bag. And then one of those questions, you know, the kid raised the hand, the five-year-old, well, what about this? I'm like, oh, I never thought about that. Because they're coming at it with a different perspective. And oh, I really got to know this if I'm going to be able to explain it to them. And you also feel in the situation that, hey, somebody's watching me while I'm doing this. I can't just skate by and say, all right, you know, you really shouldn't go lie and then go back and start lying myself, right? Because that kid's going to look at me or that person I'm talking about, they're going to be like, oh, he said don't lie, but he's sure doing it a heck of a lot. So I guess it might not be that bad. That's fine. He doesn't really believe it. It's not that important. But you have a level where you're like, oh, I need, to, I need to live this out myself. And for Timothy, he had those examples in Lois and Eunice because Paul's calling them the genuine faith. He saw the real article. He saw the, that authentic living. And he said, hey, I need, you know, the, they're not just telling me what to do, but they're living it out. And that's gonna have a huge impact on me here. It likely, you see, for Timothy, he saw it and he wanted to apply what he wanted to know and live it in an authentic way. And so think back to any time that maybe you've tried to teach someone something and you maybe discovered whether or not you really knew it. Or maybe you were like, ooh, that's a tough one. I'm gonna have to go back and I'm gonna have to look a little bit more. You know, and that's no accident. We grow more when we take what we have learned and when we try to apply it. And when it comes to matters of our faith, we are called to serve whether or not whatever stage we are. There's a lot of excuses at times that people will use for serving. You're like, well, I don't know if I could really tell anybody about Jesus or I don't know if I could really teach anyone, like teach a class or anything because I don't know a lot about the Bible. Anyone ever feel that one? Or maybe this one. I can't teach anybody about Jesus because I'm really not that good of a person. I'm not good enough to do it. Ever feel that one? Maybe you just feel like, you know, I just don't have the skills. Like, maybe I just, I'm not good with kids, you know? Or I don't know how to brew coffee or make small talk. I, I don't have the skills to do it. And if you're that person, if you've came up with that, you know, said that to yourself, if you've heard that, then what I want to say to you is, good. No, seriously, good. Like, that's really okay, because guess what? That means that you have something in common with Paul, with that missionary who was going around, because Paul struggled with many of the same things. He wasn't sure at times if he was good or not, but he got this word from God, and this comes from 2 Corinthians, and he says this, my, uh, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. God says this to Paul because he wants Paul to understand there's things that you're really good at, 
And there's things that maybe you're not so good at. And in scripture, we have moments right before this verse where Paul says, I wish God would just take this away from me. I can't do this. This isn't something I'm good at. I don't want this. But then God says, my power works best in weakness. Are you willing? Are you willing to let God work through you? Are you willing to let him make up for your failures? Are you willing to do more than you could have imagined because of God's strength? Because that's what happens in Paul's life. Paul's faith and Paul's story were developed because he was willing to be worked through. So maybe you are an expert or a natural. Or maybe you just aren't so confident. But if you are willing, God will take care of the rest. You know, on Tuesday nights, we have our preteen group level up. And uh, this past year, uh, we had two new volunteers who have come and have served. We had James, who had been there for a while, and he's probably got stories about how his life has been changed throughout the years, but we had two I wanted to bring up here on stage um, because I want them to share a little bit about just what has been different from just a year of being willing. So would Ann and Laura, would you please come up at uh, this time? There you go. So this is Laura and Anna, and they help here on, uh, well, why don't I ask, what ministry do you guys help with, and when did you start with that? Okay, so we started last fall, um, and we're volunteering with the Level Up Ministry, so that's the for fourth through sixth graders on Tuesday nights, and I think it's the same for Anna. Yes. And what, what gave you the sense that you wanted to, to step up and help with it? Well, um, we like our story. So my husband and I, um, and Anna and her kids, we all went to a different church previously, and through different circumstances, we ended up here at Faithbrook. And so we started probably about a year and a half ago. And you know, I have four kids; she has two, and our two youngest kids loved Level Up. They started it last fall, and it was so exciting to see how much they loved it. Like, it was a youth group for their age, and they would come home, and they'd be so excited. And then we got the announcement that the youth pastor was leaving, and that they weren't sure what was going to happen with the ministry. And um, Anna came to me, and she was like, we need to do this, right? I think, I think we should step up, and we should volunteer, because we need this ministry to continue for these kids. We've seen the impact in our kids' lives, even in a short period of time. So Anna reached out to Jim. Anna's really the one who got us moving on this, reached out to Jim and offered. <laughs> so anyways, so we volunteered and we started working with James. And it was so nice to have James there because he had that continuity and knew how the program had been running. He knew all those kids. And so between the three of us, I think it was an amazing year. They don't need me. We... <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> I, we were able to retire the microphone now that you're now that you're here. Um, and actually, that's really not true what Laura said either, because I it is true that our kids loved Level Up, and to see they just really 
had never um, gotten as involved in the youth program at our previous church. You know, no, um, I'm not complaining about the church. They did a good job. It was just, it wasn't the right fit for them. And they really liked this program. But I wasn't even on the email that Jim sent because I was, I, you know, Levi had only gone a few times, so I didn't even know that the program was ending. And it was actually Laura, she called me and she said, did you see the email? And I said, what email? <laughs> uh, and she said, I, she said, they're looking for volunteers. You know, I feel like maybe I should volunteer. And then I was like, ooh, I'm like, I don't think that, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that that's the right fit for me. I have always thought that my sister and my mom have the gift of teaching and that was not necessarily my gift. Um, but then I did feel called, right? And just like we we heard from Eric today, I think that sometimes the spirit leads and, um, you know, to speak to the fact that James was there. I know when we first started, he was, um, he had some conflicts. He'd been serving for a long time and he was talking about the fact that he um, would be there for a little bit to get us going and then, you know, he, he was probably going to step down too and um, I never wanted him to feel pressured. <laughs> But I did a lot of praying that he was going to stay. And um, and I, I didn't even ask him, but I overheard him talking about how his conflict moved to a different night and he was going to stay on. And I was just so thankful because we wouldn't have been able to do it without you. Um, it would not have been the same. So uh, anyway, that was a really long answer. Next question. <laughs> Tell me what your favorite thing is about Tuesday nights. Oh, the kids. They are so amazing. Um, I will say, like, at my previous church, I was very much into women's ministry. I love studying. I love doing Bible studies. That's, like, kind of been my thing. Um, but this year, so in a way, I wasn't like, I have four kids, but at the same time, I was like, mm, children's ministry. I'd done a wanna before, but I was like, it wasn't like, I love Bible study, I'll be honest. But I started doing it this fall, and those kids are so amazing. They have so much energy, and they are so full of questions. And so for Pastor Eric saying we didn't need him, we absolutely did. Because when he came and we started doing games, he is way more energetic than we were. <laughs> yes, than us, but James was pretty, that really did rely on James for the games too. Um, and for me, it was also the kids, but it was a chance to serve. So I, I have a lot of conflicts on weekends. I can't always be here on Sunday. So it was a chance to really be engaged and to get to know the parents who really stepped up to and asked how they could help. And they were so appreciative and just getting to know other people in the church. That's been a blessing for me. Share with me, if you can briefly, like, what's, what's one impact you've seen on like a student or a group of students just in your short time uh, being there? Um, so one of the things that I really felt led to focus on was apologetics for our kids, which is the defense of the faith, just because I feel like they get it. My kids are in public school and they get it from their friends and even from teachers. And so I just, I really wanted them to understand, um, understand Christianity and feel like a safe space to ask questions about that. And um, that was our goal setting out for this. And on the way to church this morning, I asked Levi, I said, what, um, what, do, you, what do you feel like you got out of Level Up with the curriculum that we um, introduced last year? And he said, it was pretty good. <laughs> I was like, well. <laughs> so I just kept getting that same answer for everything. So I tried to ask it in a different way. And what he did tell me is he said, it answered a lot of questions that I had. And I said, questions about Christianity and your faith? And he said, yeah. And so, like, to me, that was success. Because that was what we set out to do, was to get... We wanted the kids to be able to ask anything that they could with the lessons that the three of us put together. 
James and Laura and I, and to invite those questions. And sometimes those are hard questions. You know, it sounds easy in theory, but it, you know, when you're in the hot seat up in front and they ask a difficult question, you know, like, why does God let bad things happen? Why do people get cancer? Why do people die? Like being able to say, you know what, we can have a conversation about that was really huge. And I think I second everything Anna said, because I do want my kids to understand what they believe and why they believe, and that was really important to us. But I also really, really want our kids to love coming to church. And sometimes on Sunday mornings, it can be like not necessarily to their level. Um, I remember, though, as a kid, loving youth group. Like We'd go to church on Sundays, and I know I learned a lot, but youth group was when you got to be with kids your age, you did games, you hung out, it was fun, and you had that time where you got to learn with, other pe- with your peers. And so I do think this year the kids had a really good time. We had some really fun events. We had the world's biggest Easter egg hunt. Thanks to James, I've never seen so many Easter eggs. Um, but I do think like those kids had a really good time this year. I love James' perspective on the Easter egg hunt. Um, he said that some parents would, would be like a little upset with how much candy the kids came home with, and he's like, bring more friends. <laughs> and we have some new level uppers that are coming next year, and I saw them at Lake Day, which we just had a couple weeks ago, and they were like most excited about the Easter egg hunt. They were already talking about it. I was like, there's a lot of things that happen between now yeah. and Easter, but Okay. Um, and then just the last one to, to ask here, what about yourselves? How has your own faith story maybe changed through this experience just in one year? So I think for me, um, probably eight, nine years ago, I started becoming more interested in apologetics. I wanted to know, like, what do I believe? Why do I believe it? I started doing a lot of reading. Like, I did Mama Bear Apologetics, just a bunch of different readings. And so this year with the curriculum we did, it was like a... a youth version of apologetics. So Anna and I kind of came up with an outline and said, here's what our we think their questions are. But what Eric had said earlier, if you're gonna teach it, you really have to understand it. And I feel like God had been using like all of that time before I was serving, kind of getting me ready for that because I did have a lot of resources. And then taking those resources and putting it into something that's gonna work for fourth through sixth graders was so beneficial to me. You guys, I grew so much in my faith this last year, getting the, getting ready for those lessons, but also feeling so much more immersed in the church and feeling like, oh, I'm starting to know people. Like, I see the kids here. I see parents. And it's, it just, it's a sense of community that you don't get if you're not willing to volunteer. And I'll be honest, I work full-time. I've got four kids. My husband and I are really busy. And when this came up, I was like, this is going to be tough because we were doing our small group on Tuesday nights. I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work. But I just felt so strongly like God was saying, this, this is the step I want you to take. And God has just blessed us. Like, I mean, I, like, I feel so blessed. And like, it's a gift that God gave me in giving me this opportunity. And I would say too, because I feel like I should say this, that, um, there was a season in my life where I really felt like I couldn't volunteer when my kids were little, babies and toddlers, and um, <laughs> I was working full time. And so I just want to say that it's it, there are seasons, and this is a season right now where I did have the time and the capacity and um, really did feel that. But you can serve in different ways. You can serve by loving your family, by being a spiritual leader to your family. Um, so I just want to, there's no guilt out there. Um, And I think the biggest um, blessing for me or the biggest growth for me was um, the idea of like 
Eric was sharing that uh, he he God works the best in our weakness, right? And that's that strength and that he, he led me down this path. Um, because I took my older son, Jace, to the Reality Apologetics Conference this last year. And it was at Grace Church, and we weren't going to go. It was just like this series of things. It was so busy. And then through another series of things, I'm like, let's go for part of the day on Saturday. And it ended up being really amazing and, you know, kind of life-changing. They do such a good job with it. And I had already felt like on my heart, we should be writing, I, I should be writing this, this apologetics for kids. And um, there is a gap, it kind of seems like, in that in that age, a fourth to sixth grade, a lot of it's really geared for high schoolers. And so there was this parents' lunch, and I went to the parents' lunch, and they had this whole like um, seminar, curriculum, college, or they called it a, I can't remember, institute of with all this material. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. This is exactly what I need. So I went and talked to the, the folks that were administering the uh, you know, workshop after, and they were like, oh, yeah, this is great. It's all free. You know, you can have access to it. And then I'm like, you know, the kids we're working with are kind of fourth to sixth grade, and they were like, oh. <laughs> they said, you might have to write your own. This is really geared to older kids. <laughs> it's just funny. It came full circle. And uh, Levi kind of kept me accountable. He would say, Mom, how's that curriculum coming? And I was like, okay, from the mouth of babes, we need to work on it. And um, it was after that conference that Laura and I developed the kind of the plan that we wanted to use for the year, James was on board. We we plotted it out, and um, we just you have to start somewhere, right? So we just built on that. But I would also say the biggest area of growth for me is that serving has allowed me to share my faith in ways that I wouldn't have expected. Um, I was on an airplane to Phoenix, and I was somehow we were talking about level up, and I was chatting with the woman next to me, and. Um, her husband is an author, and he wrote a lot of books in business, and he would go and start churches, Bob Pike, um, in other places. And she was just so interested in what we were doing. We had the coolest conversation, and she's like, I think Bob wants to talk to you. So I'm not saying we're going to write a book, but it's just <laughs> funny how the spirit leads and like opens up different doors. And Bob is very sick right now. He has terminal cancer. So let's pray for Bob and for healing, because maybe his work here isn't quite done yet. Well, thank you guys both so much for all you've done here with uh, helping there with Level Up and coming up here. So, all right. So as you can see, serving develops the stories. It, it shows us all different ways, not just for others, how they can grow, but for ourselves. And so maybe you're feeling this a little bit. You're saying, hey, I'm in that season where I could step up. I, I'm in a season where I could maybe help out. And I'm not maybe, you know, maybe I'm confident. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm great. I can do it. Awesome. Or maybe you're saying, hey, you know what? I'm not so sure, but I'm willing to try. That's great. So not going to lie, this is maybe a little bit also planned too. As some of you know, starting September 10th, we are moving to two services. Um, and... That is meaning that we are going to be needing double the amount of people serving here on Sunday morning who are willing to spend some of their time. And if you can see uh, the next slide up here, we'll show just a bunch of the different areas, all the different ways that we have people serving. Um, I mean, uh, you know, and I'm not gonna lie, I'm the next gen pastor. So if you can just like, cover the worship and guest service. No. 
We need, you know, we have things for, for everywhere. We have no matter what your gifts are, no matter how you are able to serve, if you are willing, if you're willing to say, hey, I'm willing to give up just a little bit of my time. And you know what? I'll pick one of these kids' rooms and I'll come in there. Or I'm, I would be willing to help out Tuesday nights with the Level Up or the youth group on Wednesday nights. Or maybe I'm willing to be on the guest services team and I can hold open the door and welcome as people come in or give them coffee and make sure that they you know, that they know that this is, this is gonna be a, a place where they can learn or they can grow and where they can discover who Jesus is. Maybe you have the skills to come up on stage and maybe you're able to uh, to be a part of the worship team, or maybe you're willing to sit in the back on the tech team, because in all these things, we're gonna need more people who are willing to join the mission, who are willing to give up a little bit of that time, just like the people who have given to my life, and I'm sure you can probably think and given to your life, who spent a little bit of their time to make sure that we can know, to make sure that baton had been passed. And so if you're feeling in one of these areas, if this is something where you're sitting there saying, yeah, you know, I can do it. I got a couple of options uh, for you. First one, if uh, you can look and see there's this red card sitting in the chairs in front of you, and there's a section right here on their side where it says volunteering on a team. And if you're interested in, be, in doing that, you can take one of these cards, you can fill that out and check that box that says volunteering on a team, and you can drop it in the box. Another option, if you're a little bit more technologically savvy, um, is there's, you see this QR code where you can scan that there, and it will take you directly to a site with a form that's going, or if you just want to type it in, it is faithbrook.church slash next steps. And that's will take you right to that form as well. As we have seen, serving develops the stories and the impact that we can have and make sure that that baton is passed off, that people can know who Jesus is and we can continue to make sure to have that impact. And so I just encourage you at all, if you're feeling that push, if you're not sure, but you're willing to try, if you're willing to let God use you, even in your weakness, even in the parts where you're not so unsure, we welcome you to join our mission in helping to reach people and to bring them into a new and thriving life in Jesus Christ. Would you please stand with me as we close? Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you've given us this great example here of Lois and Eunice. And I thank you for all the amazing volunteers that we have here who serve. Right now, we've got some in the kids' ministry, and we've had people who've greeted and got the coffee going this morning, God. And we thank you for all of them. And we pray for more, for more help, because God, quite frankly, we need it, you know? We, we really, truly do. There's times where I look at the schedule and I just say, I don't know how I'm gonna be able to schedule everyone for this upcoming month. And I don't wanna burn volunteers out. I want, I want them to, to feel fresh. I want them to serve with a passion and know that what they are doing is having such an impact for your kingdom. And so I pray, Lord, for anyone here who feels that pull, who feels that call and is saying, hey, I'm willing to help out a little bit. 
I'm willing to make a little bit of sacrifice of my time for the kingdom of God and know that it's gonna have a lasting impact. And then I'm gonna see that impact even in my own life as well as God has continued to pull and stretch me. So I pray for that, Lord. I thank you, God, for this time. In your mighty name, amen.